This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 605 This episode was pre-recorded. Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Let's all take our seats. It's Crisis 312. Gorilla covers always sell. This is how I got my wife to read comics. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. And you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and maybe give us a rating. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like it's at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. In our last Crisis episode, the Justice League was doing battle with Gorilla Grodd and his simian army in JL8. We've already checked out the JLA, Batman, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman annuals of 1999. Let's see how the others fare. The Flash annual number 12. A writer, Brian Augustin. Penciler, Doug Braithwaite. Inker, Robin Riggs. Letterer, Steve Dutrow. Colorist, Tom McGraw. Assistant editor, Frank Berrios. Editor, Joey Cavalieri. Jesse Quick, Max Mercury, Impulse, and Jay Garrick are chasing Wally, now in simian form, hoping to stop him. Actually, Wally from a parallel timeline. Don't ask. He leads them to the local zoo, where Grodd and his troops are waiting. The speedsters are zapped into monkeys, and Grodd clues us in on his plan. A huge device that will use the speed force, a.k.a. having them run on treadmills, to turn everyone on Earth into apes. Bart now called Chimpulse, seems to be experiencing an existential ennui, but a banana gets him back in line. An ape general checks in, and he and Grodd trade barbs. After that, Grodd checks in on his secret project involving a psi amplifier and two amorous female apes. Meanwhile, Angela Margolin, CCPD police scientist, escapes an attack and commandeers one of the ape ships. Back to Chimpulse, who tries to explain that humans were created to be dominant and that the apes are fighting the natural order. He convinces the other speedsters, and in the resulting fight, Bart vibrates through a wall and changes back to normal. Wally follows his lead. Unfortunately, the other speedsters don't have that ability. Grodd decides he has enough power to run the device and activates it. Wally adds more power and burns it out. Grodd and Wally duke it out. Get your paws off me, you dirty ape! And Angela helps out by crashing her ship into Grodd. He reciprocates by kidnapping her. There's a final battle on a tower, which is destroyed. Grodd manages to escape. Off-panel, the other speedsters are de-aped. Superman Annual Number 11, written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, penciled by Joe Phillips, inked by Rich Faber and Rob Stull, colored by Jason Wright, lettered by John Workman, associate editor Maureen McTeague, editor Eddie Berganza. 
In Gorilla City, Abu Gida is supervising incantations that will awaken Grogamesh, the greatest of all gorilla heroes. I guess she's not been swayed by the events of the Wonder Woman annual. Olgo is impatient to get things going. Meanwhile, there's a meeting at the Pentagon, and it's noted that the apes haven't attacked primary military locations yet. They're preparing a counterstrike that will blow them back to the jungle. Meanwhile, at the Daily Planet, Lois is convinced that humans were not responsible for Solovar's death and determines that federal agents were being controlled by the apes to do the deed. Lois and her cameraman go out to find Superman, and they do, with Cal in ape form doing his version of the action number one cover. Lois calms Clark Ape, who still has the spit curl, and they go find Professor Hamilton to fix all this, but he's also become Simeon. Soups decides to fly into space, hoping the solar rays will clear him up. He seems to crash into the river and comes out as a big ape. Again, Lois tries to talk to him, and he reciprocates by swallowing her? A set of monkey-fied apes see something, and via ooks we get the is-it-a-bird sequence. Clark is back. The giant ape is a robot version of Grogamesh. There's a fight, and the ape flies off with Lois inside. Olgo is also inside, controlling the robot. Its hide is imbued with magic, so Clark can't easily bash in. Instead, he calls to Ulgo, noting that the gorilla's hide is made of slaughtered gorillas. Does he support that? Oh, and Lois replies that humans controlled by Gorilla Tech killed his dad. Oops, he was called his uncle at the start of all this. Olgo steps back and severs his link to the robot, planning to talk to the Simeon Scarlet Council about all this. Unfortunately, this allows the robot to go wild. Cal pulls them out and then takes out the robot. Young Justice takes this moment to arrive with a giant exploding banana. Too little, too late. Well, they can still do cleanup. Soups gives a speech about how humans and apes will need to work together to resolve all this. Green Lantern Annual Number 8, written by Keith Giffen, penciled by Octavio Carielli and John Nadu, inked by Marcelo Campos and Jordi Ensign, colored by Digital Chameleon, Lettered by Ken Brusenek, assistant editor Harvey Richards, editor Kevin Dooley. Kyle Ape is now a soldier assigned to a guerrilla combat team. We get to see how the grunts are handling all this. Kyle and his sergeant have a discussion about how he shouldn't fully depend on the ring, which improbably still works. We learn that the apes have a cloaked space station in orbit, and then via a status report, we're reminded that the various ape missions have failed so far. The leaders there are conferring. They have been given the ball, but without the other components, their morphogenetic field won't be very effective. It will only affect a city, and they will need to drop the cloak for it to work. Reinforcements will be needed to protect the base, including Kyle's unit. There's a ton of character moments here among the guerrilla troops. Given must have figured the other annuals would carry the story load. It's decided that Honolulu will be the first city to be converted. Meanwhile, at the Watchtower, a team of Martian Manhunter, Guy Gardner during his alien warrior phase, Alan Scott, and the Metal Men have now discovered the alien station and are making plans to attack. John sneaks onto the station while the rest attack in a spaceship that bizarrely has open cockpits like an old airplane, forcing some of them to wear spacesuits. The apes recognize the attacking ship and send troops, including Kyle, to attack it. Kyle blasts their ship 
then is transported into the station only to find his old sergeant there. Sarge tries to talk him down, but messes up and calls him Kyle. It's John in disguise. There's a fight, and John dredges up Kyle's memories to get him to de-monkeyfy. There's a big battle in space, with Kyle now leading the heroes. He battles the ape general while his aide shuts down the station's weapon. The station then blows up for some reason. Later, Kyle visits an ape POW camp and his old buddies, and there's more character moments. Martian Manhunter Annual Number 2, written by Len Kaminsky, penciled by Gus Vasquez, inked by Mark Probst and Claude St. Aubin, colored by Carla Feeney, lettered by Kurt Hathaway, separated by Jameson, associate editor Tony Bedard, editor Dan Raspler. We begin with John relating the period he lived as an ape in Africa using his shape-shifting abilities. Over time, he became part of a tribe and became so used to being a simian he didn't recognize humans as such. When poachers came in and slaughtered his tribe, he became enraged, appearing to them as a Martian and mentally forcing them to turn themselves in. Now, as apes attack, he shifts from his human guise to ape, forgetting for a moment that he could just shift to Martian mode, which begs the question as to why he didn't do this earlier. He meets Batman on the Watchtower, and they provide a review of the event so far. They also snipe at each other, with Bruce referring to John's detective work as a hobby. They agree they have a suspect in mind who's behind all this, and agree that John will do some background work to collect evidence. Meanwhile, Bruce leads a JLA meeting, which is an excuse to note other heroes fighting apes. There's a sequence of the Ape Admiral Submarine versus NORAD, now run by converted apes, who plan to nuke their fellow gorillas. They're American apes, after all. Back to John, who interviews Detective Chimp. He did a divorce case for the suspect's wife and provides a bit of dirt. Then it's off to see Monsieur Mula, who argued with the suspect as to who would be in command after the revolution. San Simeon of Angel and the Ape is next on the list, who happens to be the suspect's brother. They were never close, but the suspect did support his plans to become a comic artist. Congo Bill is heard from, who dealt with the suspect while in the body of the Golden Gorilla. The suspect's metal capabilities gave him a hangover afterward. Back to the Watchtower, where they have detected the missiles on their way to Gorilla City. Soups goes off to handle it, while the rest are off to evacuate the city just in case. This allows John to meet them there and announce his findings. Unless you're in a coma, you already know the suspect is Grodd. They, for some reason, throughout all this, were like, the suspect, the suspect. Well, I'll let you know who the suspect is once I have enough information. The apes go bananas over all of this, but Grodd steps up and freely admits it. This sets up a mental battle, with Grodd having the upper hand at first due to all the mental power he's absorbed. John goes all submissive at this point, saying that Grodd has achieved the ultimate mastery of mind over form. John would not have the courage to take the next step. Now Grodd must ascend to a higher level, becoming a syncretic collective with Grodd's personality being sacrificed. Grodd rejects this, going into cerebral shock and losing the battle. Yes, you There 
there's a celebration in the Gorilla City Council. The seditionist apes are dealt with and reparations will be made. Meanwhile, Kyle and Cyborg rebuild the ape space station so it can de-apify the rest of the humans. The team asks John how he knew that absorbing all the mental power would wipe out Grodd's individuality. It's actually very simple. I lied. John has a mental monologue about the nature of humanity and then... Cut to a mental ward in Gorilla City. Grodd's mind is determined to be at the level of a regular ape, and he's placed in a ward for his own protection. The end? Yes, the end. In our next class, Our Worlds at War. Announcer bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out Instagram at sfpodnetwork. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye bye. He stands for justice. He has no fear. He's the agent of call when trouble is near.